Thank you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. Well, um, welcome again. As, uh, as we heard last week, um, our, our great speaker, Armin, introduced the service we have called Enact. And basically what it is, is it's looking at the early church in the book of Acts. And it's studying how does that affect us and how does that affect our values and what we believe in. All right? So last week we talked about the church itself. What is the church? And the church being the believers and the group of us who believe that Jesus died and then rose again. And we get together weekly and we, we get together and we fellowship and, and, and do life together. And, you know, we have a, a mission to spread the gospel among, among whatever. So this week we're going to be talking about another thing that the early church did. Uh, and this is called social responsibility. Um, so if you guys want to turn in your, in your Bibles to Acts 4, 32 and through 35, we will read our scripture for the day. I'll give you, I'll give you a minute to get there. And if, if, you, if you don't have your Bibles, we have it here, of course, as always. All right. Um, now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands and houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. This is um, a picture of the early church and, and kind of their, their stance on social responsibility. Now, what is social responsibility, you might ask? Um, basically, a, a definition of social responsibility, as it's defined in the dictionary, is an ethical framework which suggests that an entity, be it an organization or an individual, uh, for the benefit of society or an individual at large. Hmm. We're going to work on that. Basically, it means that, <laughs> basically, it means that an organization will... Uh, or, or a person will do something to benefit their community or, or society. And so, base, uh, so, so if you want to look at it, it'll, it'll be that um, us as a, as a church or you as a person will do something to benefit something on Guam that needs to be benefiting. It's, it's basically a way of making the world a better place. Uh, it's, you look at, you look at um, some examples in, in, in the world of social responsibility. You guys, like the Peace Corps, that's a good example of it where you go and you work in a country and you teach or whatnot, or you have Leonardo DiCaprio and his whole ecological save the world thing. He's, he's doing something cool, I don't know. Um, or another example, if you're, if you're part of the older generation, it's older to me, but, you know, uh, and you remember the whole We Are the World song, the we are the world, we are the children, and it had like guys like Bruce Springsteen and all sorts of cool people. And basically what their goal was was to raise money to help Africa during a famine. That's a good example of social responsibility. It's seeing the problem in the world and doing something to fix it, right? And so as a church, our, um, one of the things we've been called to do by God is, is, is be socially responsible. We've been called to, to see the problems in the world and, and to fix it because God has given us every power to do that. 
And, and you know what's really interesting is now that this has become such a popular concept, like companies are starting to input it into their uh, mission statements or whatnot. Organizations are saying, hey, we're not going to do business with you unless you're socially responsible. Or even like, you know, among, among the younger generations, it's like, hey, take care of the beaches. It's cool, dude. Come on, let's go. And stuff like that. So this, this concept of social responsibility has gotten quite popular over the years. And an even more interesting fact than that is this, this, this concept of social responsibility was invented by Christians. Uh, we're going to get in our time machines, and we're going to go back to the Roman era, the ancient, ancient Rome. Back in that day, there was almost zero regard for human life. You had things like uh, coliseums where they'd go and watch people kill each other. And slavery was, was rampant in that era. And, and you know, there was, just, there was just no regard for human life. And so Christians came in, and as, as Christianity started growing, the early church, they started going, growing, and they started taking care of the poor. They started taking care of uh, the orphans and the needy and the hungry and the widows and such. And it, it got to the point where if you saw in ancient Rome, where if you saw anyone who was helping someone else, who was helping an orphan or a widow or whatnot, you would automatically assume that they were a Christian. Because this was just such this radical concept of taking care of people who can't take care of themselves as well. And so even, even throughout the history, history of the church, Christians have been the strongest advocates for social responsibility um, in China. They used to do this thing in China where they would take uh, little girls' feet when they were young, and they would break it. They'd, they'd, they'd take the foot, and they'd break it in half, right? And then they'd bind it so that it would just grow that way. And so basically, it kept these women's feet small, and it was, it was their way of restricting women's rights, and it was the way of keeping the male superior in that culture. And so Christians are the ones who came in and said, no, women, have, women are real people too. Women have rights, and women are just as good as men, and, and God created women just like God created man, and God loves them just as much. And Christians are the ones who came in and advocated for women's rights, and Christians are the ones who came in and advocated for uh, a socially responsible China. Uh, another example, in India, they used to do this thing called widow burning. Uh, I think the proper term is seti, but I could be wrong on that, so you can go check the facts or whatnot. But they used to do this thing called widow burning. Um, and so basically what happened was when a husband died, they would take his, ex, his, his wife, well, I guess, I don't, I don't know, is that an ex-wife thing? I'm young, I don't, I don't care about that. <laughs> they take his wife or his, his, his widow, and they would basically just burn her with the body. They had zero regard for, human, for, for, for women's rights and, and such. And so Christians are the ones who came in and they said, no, they're, they're people, they matter. Um, they, there's a problem. They saw, the Christians saw the problem and they went to go fix it. And, they, and, and now it's, it's an illegal process in, or it's an illegal practice in, in India. And so, I mean, praise God for that and praise God for the missionaries who did all that. Um, and so Christians have always just been these advocates for social responsibility around the world. And we've always been at the forefront of changing this world for the better. And we've always been at the forefront of making this world a better place. Um, I, love, I love what Jack said about, you know, wearing the, wearing the jerseys, the football jerseys. I was actually going to come up and wear my Manchester United jersey, but I realized that's the wrong football, right? How many uh, soccer, real football fans are here? Soccer fans, woo! See, you guys know Jesus, woo! <laughs> So I was going to come up and I was going to wear my Manchester United jersey and say and, and bring some joke about, oh, man, it's real football, which I just did. Oh, wow. But um, what, what's so beautiful about the game of soccer, football, I'm going to call it football, 
what's so beautiful about that game is in, in countries around the world, it's this uniting factor among, among both the highest level of the economic spectrum and the lowest level of the economic spectrum. Like, you, you go into the middle of the slums in Brazil, and you'll see kids in the streets playing soccer. Or you go to the richest part of Germany. We'll go Germany. And you'll see everyone's a, a master football player, right? And so this football is this institution that's united both the, the rich and the poor, and what's so great is that the church is an even better, better form of that, which is why I'm going to talk about our, our subject of social responsibility and our, our focus for this, which is the poor and the needy. Um, we're going to be talking about that today. Uh, we're going to talk about this for two reasons. Um, the first is it's a very relevant issue. Um, it's hard to go outside your door and not, not see it. It's hard to turn on the news and not see it. It's hard to have a conversation with someone about something more than just this tiny little island and see that this is actually a really big problem. Uh, I, did some, I did some research as I was preparing for this, and I got, I got some statistics, because everyone loves statistics and numbers. They're just so positive and happy. Uh, if you could, yeah, over half the world makes $2.50 a day. Less than that. $2.50 or less. Half the world if you do the math and if you kind of compare that to your own personal income, yearly income, they would make yearly, if they worked every single day, they would make $912 in one year. A whole year of working, they would make $912. 80% of the world lives off $10 a day. 80%. That means if there's five people up here, right? Imagine with me, there's five people Four of them live on $10 a day, and one of them lives above that. That's incredible. That's $3,650 in a year. That's how much they earn yearly. Wow, that's an incredible number. Um, I'm Filipino. I said that last time I preached, and I got a couple people who were like, oh, my gosh, he's Filipino. He doesn't look like it. He looks like a Howley kid. And I realize I do, but I'm half Filipino, and I grew up in the Philippines, and so I grew up in the middle of Manila, and I saw firsthand, I, I grew up around it. I grew up around the squatters and the, and the poverty-stricken areas, and I've seen firsthand what, what, what this kind of percentage of the world looks like. And so because I'm Filipino, I'm going to give you some statistics of the Philippines specifically. Uh, in the Philippines, people live on uh, an average of around 20 to 22% around there live on $383 in an entire year. That's a little over a dollar a day. And what's so incredible about this is one in every four Filipinos living in the Philippines, that's their status in life. That's their, that's their the lowest of the low. And so I'm going to go a little closer to home now on Guam. Roughly around 20% of the population lives below the poverty line. And it's so weird to think because we live on this beautiful little island, beaches, Japanese tourists. We love you guys. Bring us your money. Woo! And we, <laughs> that might have been a little insensitive. But we live around 20%. 20% of this entire island's population lives below the poverty line. Now, I don't say all this to make you feel guilty. I don't, I, I'm so glad that God's blessed you with however he's blessed you, you know, we, live, uh, we, we serve a great God, and he doesn't want his children to go hungry, and he's blessed you guys amazingly. I don't say this to make you feel guilty. I just, wanna, I just want you guys to see 
there's a real world out there. There's a, there's a big world that has a huge need. Which brings us to our second reason why we're talking about the poor and the needy today. It's because God cares for the poor and the needy. God cares for the homeless. God cares for those who don't have enough. In Deuteronomy 15, verse 4 to 6, uh, it's a decently long scripture, so we'll, I'll read it. But there will be no poor among you, for the Lord will bless you in the land that the Lord, the Lord your God has given you for an inheritance to possess. If only you will strictly obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all those commandments I tell you today. And then, uh, for, for the Lord your God will bless you as he promised you. And you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. And you shall rule over many nations, but they shall not rule over you. God has, God has specifically said, I'm going to bless you guys. I'm going to bless you guys so that, you know, you will be able to be a blessing. Because God, the, reason, the reason God's doing this is so that we can be a blessing to others, you know. Because God cares for the poor and the needy. He sees the need. Uh, if you turn in your Bibles to Proverbs 19, verse 17, it says, Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deed. It says that God, God wants us to be generous to the poor. God sees what's happening in the world. It's not like God's, God's out of this world, you know? And so this, this might bring up a question, which I really hope you guys have asked, because it's good to sometimes question what you believe to fully understand it. And I hope, I hope, I hope you've had this asked to you, because this is a doozy of a question. If God is real, then why is there suffering in the world? If God's real, why is there people out there who can't afford food? Why is there uh, 22,000 children a day dying of poverty? If God's real, why is all this happening? You know, if God cares so much for the poor and the needy, why isn't he doing something about it? I really hope you guys have asked that question yourselves, because I have definitely asked myself this question. And the interesting thing is, we have believed this lie that God isn't doing anything about it. When in reality, God has already done something about it. And he's continuing to do something about it every day. If you've ever had enough food on your plate and then had a little extra, God's done something about it. If you've ever looked at your bank account statements and you've seen, oh man, I have enough to buy a a jet ski or something. I, I don't know what you guys buy. That's showing that God has done something about it. God doesn't want to just magically make the world a better place. He wants to teach his children to take care of this world that he's given us, right? And so as his children, God has given us this responsibility to take care of those who don't have as much. God has given us this responsibility. The early church understood this. The verse in Acts 24, they were so radical about this. They would even sell their land. If they had a house, they'd sell it and they'd give it to whoever had need. Man, the early church understood this concept, and then somewhere along the lines, we switched it to, oh man, missionaries will go take care of the world. Or, oh, it's okay, no one's going to be able to sell, you know, this leftover food. I, I don't know if your parents have told you, oh man, finish all the food on your plate, they're starving children in Africa. Well, like, how are they going to get this food that I don't finish, mom? I don't understand. It's easy to say, like, well, there's no way to do it. But in reality, God has given us this responsibility, he's given us this job to take care of this earth that he's given us given, 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 given. Man, God gives so much. What a wonderful God we serve. Mm. 
in Deuteronomy 15, verse 10 and 11, says, You shall give freely, and your heart shall not be grudging when you give. Because for this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work, in all that you undertake. God wants us to be generous. God's blessed you so much that you can be generous. Isn't it such a, such a great thing that God's like, I'm going to give you ex- everything you need. And then I'm going to give you a bit extra. And you know what I want you to do with that extra? I want you to go enjoy life. But you know what else I want you to do with that extra? I want you to take care of something. I want you to, to do this job that I've called you to do. Right? Can I get an amen because God is so good? Whew, I like interaction. It's nice. And, and the early church, like I said, they understood this concept. They would, they would go to their houses and, and their lands and anything. They'd, they'd give it to whoever could distribute it. They'd give it to whatever. They had this weird spirit of generosity. They were the ones who brought change to the world. And as Christians, it's so integral to our faith that we do this. It's so, it's so um, mandatory to us. As a Christian... As you continue to grow in Christ, it's so hard to ignore the fact that we are called to take care of this world. It's so hard to ignore the fact that if you see someone who, who's in, in, in a little bit of need, you're called to go help that person. In Psalms 14, verse 31, uh, I'll give you guys a second to turn there in your Bibles. It says, he who is kind to the poor honors God. God loves it. God loves it when we bless other people. God loves it when we use the excess that we have or even more than the excess of what we have to help those who don't have enough. God loves it when we take care of this planet that he's given us. It says he, he honors, that, that is us honoring God. It's so deep ingrained into our Christian faith that we do that. And so another question you guys ask is, is why, why us? I mean, you understand the concept, yeah, there's, there's, the world needs to be saved. Maybe I can give to an NGO or, or a nonprofit or some, some kind of organization that's out there, you know. And, and there are plenty of great organizations out there that are, that are trying to do their best to save this planet. But in reality, they can't, there, there's not enough that they can do. Um, I'd like to pull up a, a quote by this guy named Matthew Paris, who's a reporter for the times he's a declared atheist and so he he has he has no belief in god and so but this is what he says now a confirmed atheist i've become convinced of the enormous contribution that christian evangelism makes in africa sharply distinct from the work of secular ngos government projects and international aid efforts the rebirth is real the change is good an atheist can recognize that the God that we serve is powerful enough to use our work with whatever social responsibility we're called to do and make a difference. He can recognize our God through what we are called to do. And another thing, some people say, you know, education is the key to ending poverty. Education is... Very important. I think we should educate as many people as possible. Education, if you're a teacher here, you're doing a great job. But education isn't enough. Uh, There's a quote, D.L. Moody was quoted saying, if you catch a guy stealing bolts from a railway station, and you go and you take him and educate him and give him a college degree, master's, uh, PhD, whatever, he'll have the ability to go back and steal that entire railway station. 
<laughs> Another, uh, uh, you, if you guys have seen that movie, No Escape, that came out decently recent, uh, a while ago. Um, it's, about, it's about what happened in Cambodia. And what happened a while, a while back in Cambodia was um, these guys, <clears throat> these guys got, went, went out of the country. They got educated. They, they went and pursued a further education. They went back into Cambodia and then they just pretty much took over the country and started killing anyone who had an education because they understood the power of education. They understood that. And so giving people education alone isn't enough. Giving them simply, simply meeting their needs, physical needs, isn't enough. Yes, education is important. Yes, you need to finish school. Yes, high school is something worth graduating. Because I had that same mindset some of you high school students are having. Like, why don't I just drop out? No, you need to finish school. Education is important. But it's not enough. It, this world has way too much wrong with it for education to simply be enough. There's hunger out there. Are like, Education is not going to fix that. I, I mean, simply feeding people is not even going to fix the problem. There's diseases and, and, and issues of that. These are just simply symptoms of poverty. Those aren't the disease. Like uh, um, Hunger isn't the issue. A lack of education isn't the issue. Those are just simply symptoms. Poverty is the issue. And we, we like to picture poverty as this completely secularized object. Poverty is a spiritual condition. Poverty is a condition in people's hearts. And as we've learned from learning about Jesus, from learning about how much he cared for the needy, how much he cared for the poor, God didn't go out and feed people. Well, he did. That's besides the point. Whew, that's another message. Man, Jesus did cool things. When, when Jesus met poor people, he didn't simply, he didn't, he didn't say, oh man, you know, you're, you're blind, but now you can see. Or, oh, you're lame, you can walk now and go get a job and make your life better. God's, Jesus saw the real problem. He didn't see the symptoms of it. He saw the disease itself. And that is a spiritual condition of the heart. And that is, and it's affected. I, people like to think poverty affects only the poor. Poverty is affected by the rich as well. Poverty affects the rich as well. It's a condition of the heart of those in the upper echelon who say someone else can take care of that. That is a symptom of poverty. Mm. So what can we do? What is it so much that Matthew Paris makes comments as an atheist that says God is real because he can see the difference that Christians have in what they do. And the whole difference is the gospel. The whole difference is we don't go after the symptoms, which we do. We, we want to treat the symptoms and all. Hunger is real. But we go after the real source of it. And that's a spiritual condition of the heart. And I'm really hoping that some of you guys, even me, myself, I was super called out when I was told I had to preach this message. I, I grew up around poverty. I've seen it firsthand. I, you know, I haven't really experienced it. God's always provided everything I've needed, but I've always seen it. And I grew up around it. Like I said, I grew up in Manila. I grew up around poverty and around the squatters. And as we're driving, you know, kids come and try and wipe your windows because they, they're so hungry that they need a candy or something. I've grown up around that. And this message called me out completely. Because I was a victim of, this, of, of poverty as well. Because even though I've always had enough growing up, and even though I've always had enough now, sometimes I don't think, oh man, there's those who don't have enough. And God's called me to do, help those who don't have. Right? 
The gospel is the only way we can change poverty. Mm. And as, as Christians, we can't ignore those with less than us. As Christians, we can't say, oh, they can take care of themselves. We're, we're called to meet the needs of those with less. And, and there's, there's two basic needs that people with less than us have. Two basic needs. Really simple. The first is a hunger issue and, and the physical needs. You know, the gospel is the most important part. But in reality, if, if they can't hear you say, telling them the gospel over their own rumbling stomachs, you know, maybe you should try and take care of that. I, I, I spoke with um, Josh Tovez, who I, I really look up to him for what he does. Um, he, he was saying, you know, some of the basic, yeah. He was saying some of the basic needs that they have are things that, like, shoes. I walk around in these things every day. And I say, oh, man, I don't need to buy a new pair. I'll just wait till these wear out. And, and I just get so stingy about shoes and stuff. And, and in reality, that's something that, you know, it's a basic need that they have. It's a really simple need that, you know, we often take for granted every day. How many of you have more than one pair of shoes? I don't want to make you feel guilty. I just kind of want to op- open your eyes to the fact that there are physical needs that people have. There are physical needs that we, ha- that we have to meet. As Christians, we're called to meet. It says the early church would go and they'd sell their own stuff so that people in the church didn't have any need. They would do radical things. They would say, hey, guys, we have this sum of money. Um, we, we sold a piece of land. We sold our couch. We don't need four TVs in the same room. We sold three of them. We have this extra money. We, want, we, we need some way to give it. We need some way to help, we need some way to help, help the world. We're called to be socially responsible as Christians, you know? And so the physical needs, that is a big, that, you, we can't ignore that. We can't ignore the fact that people are hungry as Christians. And then the second need, which I, I, I've talked about all through the day, is the spiritual need. We can't ignore the spiritual need. Giving people education is not enough. Feeding someone for a day is not enough. You know, getting them to get their vaccines, buying them shoes, buying, buying people things isn't enough. There is that spiritual issue, and that's where the gospel comes in. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't think God's calling you to sell your house and, and you know, if, I mean, if he is, whew, that's awesome for you. But uh, I, don't know, I don't know what God's personally calling you to do today, whether it's something like go do something radical like sell your house, or maybe God's just saying, hey, go, go pray for the homeless, Go, go buy a ton and a half of sandwiches and, and see who all you can feed. I don't know what God's calling you today, to do today. I just do know God's calling you to do something. God's calling me to do something. God, God wants me to do, do some stuff that I've totally not thought of in the past. And, and that's my, my personal conviction on things. And I don't know what, what he's calling to, you to do. I want to encourage you, though, um, do spend some time do pray about, do pray about what, what it is that God wants you to do to affect this, this, this big part of the economic spectrum. And so um, I like to keep things short. I don't, I don't like talking too long. Uh, I'd, I'd like to spend some time, and, and if, we could all, if we could all pray, and, and we'll just ask God, God, what is this, what is this picture that we have? And what is, what is it that you've called us to do? 
and and we're just gonna we're gonna we're gonna spend some time and we're gonna just pray pray about God pray to pray to pray to God and ask just what is it that that you want us to do what is our next step um yeah so if, if we could all just bow our heads and, and close our eyes and such Father, we thank you so much, God. God, we just thank you so much. We thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. We can't thank you enough for how generously you've blessed us, Father. God, every, every good thing comes from you, God, and we ask, God, that today you just open our eyes to see the responsible ways you want us to use this blessing you've given us, God. We thank you, God, that you care about our enjoyment, God. You care about our, our, our leisure, Father, but you also care about those who don't have enough, God. And you've blessed us for that reason, God. We just ask you right now, God, begin to show us what we can do. Show us the, the steps of, of how we can, how we can affect, the, how we can affect the, the homeless population on Guam, God. Show us how we, can, how we can bless them, Father, how we can even lift them out of their situation, Father. God, we look forward to the testimonies that we'll receive from people, God. The testimonies of what you have done for them. God, I pray that you show us not only the ways to physically meet their needs, God, but the spiritual issues that they're going through, God. I pray that ultimately, God, our, own, our main goal, Father, the reason that we do this, God, be that you have called us to, that your gospel is so great that we can do nothing but help others, Father. God, let a spirit of generosity flow into this building and let your spirit of just giving and that same nature that you have to just give, give, give. Let us have that same, God, that we give, give, give. God, show us whether it be the most radical thing like selling our house or whatever or something super simple like like praying for, for, for someone. God, open our eyes to see how we can help this, this, um, th- th- this group on, on Guam, Father. In your holy name, Father, amen. And I want to address one more thing, um, just real quick, that God's put on my heart. It's so easy to, to look, at, look at the homeless and look at those less fortunate us and say, your sin has brought you there. It's so easy to do that. Uh, it's so easy to say, oh man, I must be in a, in a better position because of, um, because of just my, my spiritual walk. And, and I just want to emphasize, God is not punishing people by making them homeless. God understood that we live in a broken world. We live in a world that's, that's really dog-eat-dog. Dog. And because of that, us as humans, we trample people under the dirt. Because of our sin 2,000 years... No, Jesus died for our sin 2,000 years ago. Because of our sin so long ago, I, I don't know the exact number. Because of that sin that we had, we have to live in this broken world. But God has given us a solution for that. And God is not punishing people by making them homeless. God is not punishing people by taking away their businesses or or whatever situations brought them to where they were. It could even be the family they were born into. God's not punishing people by doing that. God wants to bless them. God wants to bless the homeless. God wants to bless those with, with less than us. God wants us to bless them. God wants to bless them through us. So I just want to, I want to break that mindset that, that, you know, they're in their situation that they've made for themselves. And yeah, maybe some people have made some bad decisions and yeah, that's true. But we've all made bad decisions and, and 
I want to I want to address something else on on that note. If if maybe this is your your first time kind of hearing the gospel, this con- kind of concept that apparently can cure poverty, or maybe you've heard it before. Maybe you've heard the gospel before, and you've heard that like oh that guy died and rose again, or something like that. And maybe uh, I don't know. This this is you kind of feel that tug to kind of find a more, bit more about that. Basically, the story of that is. A long time ago when God created the world, he was in relationship with us. And we were with God as, as a race. We were with God. But along the lines, we decided we wanted to be separate. And so we, 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 we said, God, no, we don't need what you have. And we, we disobeyed him and we broke that relationship. And now there's this separation between us and God. Now there's this gap between us and God. And... It says in, in the book of Romans, for the wages of sin is death. Because of this gap, there's no way we can go back to God. And the punishment for it is death. The punishment of that is that we can't, we, we, don't, we, we lose eternal life. We lose this relationship with God. And maybe, maybe you're thinking, oh, well, there's no hope. Well, there was. God saw that. God saw that need. Just like God sees the homeless, he provided for that need that we have that need that we needed someone who could take our place, who could die for us. And that's why he sent Jesus. He sent his son. And, 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 and Jesus died. He, he lived a perfect life, a sinless life. And, and you, if, you, if you've read your Bibles before, you, you can read, Jesus, Jesus cared so much for the homeless. And he did so much for the homeless. And he's done so much for us. He died uh, a death that we should have died, both a physical and and uh, and and he went and and he conquered Satan in hell, and then he rose back again three days later, because God's power cannot be contained through death. God was so powerful that He sent His Son to die and then rose Him up again. And if only you would believe in Him, then you could reach that relationship with God. The way God God by sending Jesus, God gave us the way that we can come back to Him. And so maybe, maybe you've heard of this kind of salvation prayer before. Um, we're we're going to pray if, if there's anyone, um, if everyone could, could bow their heads and close their eyes. If there's anyone here, maybe this is kind of your, your tug, kind of that, that, that push that you've never experienced before. And, and, or maybe you've heard the gospel before, but you're finally understanding something. Or maybe you don't even fully understand it, but you feel that tug that it's time, it's time for me to come home to God. It's time for me to make that relationship with Jesus again. Um, we'd love to pray with you. Uh, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to pray for you, but uh, as, as Pastor Mark would say, I'd like to know who I'm praying with. Um, if, you could, if you could just make eye contact with me as we're, and that way I know, that way I know who I'm praying with, that'd be... I'm, I'm just going to pray for you guys. And uh, you, can, you can pray along as a church if we can pray along. Uh, 
just just uh, asking God. Father, we thank you. We thank you for what you did on the cross, God. We thank you that even though we were far from you, and that even though we deserved what we were should we should have been getting, we thank you, God, that you sent your own son to die for us. God, we recognize that we we need saving. And we thank you, Father, that you are lifting us up out of our sin. We thank you, God, that you are rescuing us. And and we ask, God, that we continue to grow in you and that we continue to learn about you. And we, we want to tell you, God, that we believe in you. We believe in what your son did on the cross. And so, Father, we just we just come before you and we say thank you for what you've done. In your holy name, amen.